worship the Lord together. Come on. Come up to the front. We're just going to sing our song to Jesus. Hallelujah, God. We worship you. You are glorious. You are awesome in this place. We love you, Jesus. Come on, sing your faith. Jesus, you're glorious. Jesus, you're glorious. You are so glorious. With eyes that blaze like burning fire. Jesus, you're glorious. Jesus, you're glorious. You are so glorious. Come on, sing that again. Your face outshines. Sing it out. Your face outshines the brightest sun. Sing it out, Jesus. Jesus, you're glorious. You're glorious. You are so glorious. Jesus, you're glorious. You are so glorious.
you died and rose again, who does that? Only you, Jesus. Who forgives sins? God, only you do that. Who heals lives? Only you do that. God, who is like you? I want somebody to get a revelation of who Jesus is this morning. Open the eyes of our hearts to see who you are. Open up the hearts of the eyes of our minds so that we can understand who you are. Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man, Jesus. Oh God, we got it all mixed up when we think you're just a little baby in a manger. We got it all mixed up when we think you're our Santa Claus, that you're some genie. We are the ones that serve you, God. Oh Jesus, and this morning in our worship, I want to challenge you to join with me in giving God your best this morning. Let's not give God our half-hearted praise. Let's not sing a half-hearted song. Let's not half-heartedly raise our hands. Right now, he's asking you to give him your best because he gave you his best on that cross. He gave his best for us. And right now, I want to ask you right now to worship him. And what that includes is you saying how awesome God is in your own way, in your own words right now. Just start praising him. Start telling God how awesome he is. Come on, join with us. Let's join with the angels this morning in worshiping our God. Jesus, you are worthy. You are awesome, God. And we want to see you raised up in this room. God, I want to see you high and exalted. I want to see you rock my life, God. I want to see your spirit move freely in this place, God. You alone are worthy. You alone, oh God, do we lift our lives up, Jesus. Oh God, only you, Jesus, only you, God. We love you in this place. We want to see you raised up, oh God. Come on, keep lifting up that voice with me. Jesus, Jesus, you are the chosen one. You are the son of God and we worship you. We honor you in this place, God. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Come on, keep pushing forward, church. Keep lifting that voice to him. We're going to get stretched this morning. We're going to get challenged this morning to pray. You are worthy, God. You are worthy. You are worthy, Jesus. You are worthy, God. We praise your name. We worship you, Jesus. Jesus, freedom. Freedom in this place to praise you. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, keep praising him. Keep lifting that voice. Come on, join with us. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy. Worthy are you, Jesus, to receive glory and honor. Oh, we worship you, God. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, there's power when we worship you, God. Oh, we fix our eyes on you this morning, King of Kings, and how great and awesome you are, God. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Come on, just close your eyes with me, man. I feel we have to be here. Somebody needs to understand who Jesus is this morning. Close your eyes with me, and I want you to see Jesus. Not as a baby in a manger, but as a conquering king. The word says that he comes like a rider on a white horse. He's got a sword. His eyes are like fire. And his, he shines like, like the sun. He's brighter than anything we've ever seen. I want you to see that Jesus this morning because he's coming for you. Man, we don't want to run anymore from you, God. We want to see you as who you are, God. The conquering king, Jesus. Oh, we love you, Lord. 
about the power in the name of Jesus. Man, this, when we hear our message this morning, we're going to talk about how we want to call out on Jesus, and right now is your chance to call out on Jesus. Come on, there's power there. Hallelujah. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. Come on, you sing it out now. There's power. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power. Break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. All sufficient, all sufficient sacrifice, so freely given, such a
right now we break the chains of Islam over the Middle East and Southeast Asia in the name of Jesus hallelujah let the freedom of the gospel come to Pakistan Indonesia Iran 
Afghanistan, we pray for freedom. Freedom over these nations. Come on, pick a flag, start praying for a nation. Come on, if the flag's not here, pray for any nation you want. We're lifting up the voice. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer for the nations. We're praying for nations. Jessica, begin to pray for the Latino nations. Come on. Hallelujah, God. We serve a great God. Jesus. We love you, God, and we know that you can change the Latino's heart, Lord God. I break any chains, God, right now in the name of Jesus, God, that hinders them, God, to go wholeheartedly for you, God. In the name of Jesus, God, they will come to you one day, Lord, and every knee will bow and claim that you are Lord of Lords and King of Kings, God. We love you, God. We pray that you will change their hearts, soften their hearts of rock, God, to hearts of flesh right now, God. I pray that the gospel will be received instead of rejected, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. And it will be the truth that they will follow, not idols, Lord, in the name of Jesus, God. In we the name claim it. Of Jesus. Hosalito, just begin to pray for the Asian nations. Hallelujah, Father God. We lift up the Asian nations to you, Father God. We are crying out, Father God, as loud as us with all our hearts right now, Father God, for the Asian nations, Father God. Lord, Father God, so much is legal there right now, Father God. Prostitution, hookerism is so legal there, Father God. We just bind it all up the sin that is in those nations right now in Jesus' name. And let your you become legal there, Father God. Let your spirit become legal there, Father God. Turn the whole East Na Southeast nation upside down for you, Lord, Father God. North, South, East, and West, Father God, in Jesus' name. Father God, Southeast Asia for Jesus, Lord. China, Japan, Tokyo, Father God, Korea, Father God, Thailand, Father God, Philippines, Father God, all the Southeast nations are yours in Jesus' name, Father God. In Jesus' name, the spiritual breakthrough for the nations of Asia in Jesus' name, Lord. Come on, let's keep lifting up our voices. Come on, don't just wait for the person on the microphone to pray. You pray. Jesus, come on. Come on, Debonay from SUM New Orleans, come up here. Pray for the African nations. Come on, Debonay, let's keep praying. We're praying for all the nations, the Asian nations, Latino nations. The African nations, even the African American communities. Father God, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to touch, Lord. Father, I ask you just to speak, Lord Jesus, into the African nations, Lord. And Lord Jesus, not only that you're going to break those chains, Father God, but Lord Jesus, they will call on your name, Father. They will speak your name, Jesus. Father God, touch right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. Every African-American that's out there right now, Lord, that can't call on your name, Father God, I ask you to let them speak it right now. Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, keep moving, Lord. Christina, pray for the 
European nation. I find that spirit of religion in the name of Jesus. I claim freedom over the people of Europe, God. The people who once claimed to know you, God. To have intimacy. I claim intimacy with God over Europe once again. Lord, bring them back, God, to their founding faith. Lord, I ask right now in the name of Jesus, we bind that darkness. We bind that spirit of darkness, that those cold hearts, God, the postmodern thought processes, the relativism, God, reveal truth to Europe, God, and let them know that they will be set free by the truth. Let them know you, Jesus, I bind every, everything that's hardening their hearts, God, every hurt, every deep lie, God, I just bind it right now in the name of Jesus. I just pray for Sweden, Finland, France, Lord Jesus, I just pray for them.
Father, I ask for strength. Father, I ask for courage. I ask for boldness to be with parents, to be with children, Father. Lord, you are the head of the household. And God, I ask that you just build up this community. Build up your people, Father. Young, old, big and small, Father, you see them. Be with them today by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Can everybody say amen? Bless the Lord. I want you to stay standing. The flags are going to go back, but we're now going to prepare for communion. It's our time to do this the first Sunday of every month, so I'm going to ask that you just focus now on the cross because that's the reason why we do what we do and the reason why we go overseas and pray for these nations is because of Jesus. Communion in our church is something very special. It's different than a lot of churches. We allow you to take it however you want. I prefer to take it with my wife when she's next to me or my children when they get old enough. If you want to go back to your seat and kneel down, you can do it however you would like to. But make sure that as we take communion today, you do it as a sign of remembrance between you and Jesus. You're not doing it to be forgiven, but because you're forgiven. The wafer and grape juice can't forgive, but the, only the blood. So this is a remembrance of what he did for us. 2,000 years ago, the Bible says that the Roman government found Jesus guilty of crimes he didn't commit. And they crucified him on a Roman cross, meant for torture and punishment. Before they brought him there, they beat him, pulled out his beard, spit upon him, placed a crown of thorns on his head, stripped him naked, and then they brought him to this place on top of a hill called Golgotha, Calvary, the place of the skull. And there you know how it goes from that point. They took the nine-inch nails, they placed it into his wrist and his, and his two feet, and they crucified him for the world to see. He was innocent. He committed no crimes. And yet while he was there, he didn't utter a word of offense. He didn't send his angels of legions, legions of angels to attack the people. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. So today, if you haven't received forgiveness, do it right now as I begin to pray for you and then receive communion because you've been forgiven, because your life can change right now. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for bringing us all here. I pray that right now we'll just check our hearts. And if there's things we need to be forgiven of, we don't have to confess it to any man. You said confess it to me, and you would cleanse us and wash us. So right now, Lord, check our hearts. Search me and know me, God. See if there's any wicked way in me. Hallelujah. Right now, just let the Lord search your heart. And if you're reminded of your sins, just begin to say, Lord, please forgive me. And name those things that you want to be forgiven from. Jesus, forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, God. Forgive us of our trespasses, God. Forgive those who have trespassed against us. As you're praying right now, go the next step. Don't just pray to be forgiven. Pray to be transformed so you don't do that same thing over and over and over again. God has forgiven you not so you can go out and do it again. He's forgiven you so you can be transformed to not do it again. So as you're confessing, now just begin to say, Lord, transform me. You know, And then say in that area, Lord, transform my my eyes and what I see, my words and what I say. Transform what I've done to my neighbor. God, help me to never do that again. This is the true prayer of repentance. It's asking for forgiveness and turning 
from your wicked ways. And only God is able to forgive and transform. Now we're ready for communion. Father, I thank you that, Lord, today we can receive this grape juice in remembrance of your blood. I pray as each one of us do this today that we'll remember that your blood was spilled upon Calvary's cross as a pure, spotless sacrifice. It is the bleach of heaven that cleans all of our guilty stains away. Lord, I thank you for your blood, and we remember you today for it. And, Lord, we thank you for the wafer, God, that represents your flesh, that was broken by the whips, torn and shredded, that, Lord, brings us healing, God. We thank you that by your stripes we were healed. Right now, just if you're sick in your body, place your hand over that sick part of your body, wherever it is, and just say, I receive my healing. Hallelujah. And we believe it will be confirmed even as you have the wafer. It's not superstitious. The Bible says we can receive healing through the blood and body of Jesus. Lord, I proclaim healing over sick bodies here today. Healing in the name of Jesus. Cancer go. Diabetes. Arthritis. Inflammations. God, heal your people. God, you said by your stripes, Lord. And we remember you today for your cross. Thank you for your blood that was shed in your body that was given for us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Would you just begin to come forward, receive the communion, take it back to wherever you would like, and receive it with us today as the band worships with us. communion can you stand and just worship so i know that you're done come on take your time if you're still receiving it right now but if you're done would you stand and just sing this with us he is so worthy so worthy
Don't make it personal for me. I thank you today that you brought us all together, God. We receive that communion rejoicing because if it wasn't for you, we would still be bound up by the devil. But because of what you did 2,000 years ago, it changes our lives today. And we all say thank you. Gracias, Senor. You've been so good to us. We love you. Bravo to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Can we bless the Lord one more time today, saints? Amen. Will you slap somebody high five and tell them that you love them in Jesus' name? Come on, tell somebody I love you in Jesus' name as you're seated. Welcome to Metro Praise. Meet somebody. High fives are what we do here. Man, isn't God good? How many love Jesus? Can I hear a woo woo? Amen. I love seeing you guys showing up on summer days, loving the Lord so beautiful. You know, God has been blessing this church over the last few years, and I just never get tired of it. I hope that Metro Praise is as sweet and as good as it was the first day you came. If you still love coming to church here on Sundays, can you say amen? Amen. 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 It's such a great privilege to see you guys this morning. It's our 11 o'clock service every Sunday at 9-11. We have Wednesday prayer meeting coming up this Wednesday, praying for the nations, just like we did here, doing it again, praying for your needs. And we got Royal Rangers and Impact for our children. And then Elevate. Come on, amen. Teenagers, Friday nights, 730 with Adam. Adam, what's going on this summer? I know you're doing something special. Amen, amen. Um, just, I just want to speak to the congregation because we never get a chance or I never get a chance to just share. How many of you guys know some young teenagers? Just by just showing, just raise your hand. If you know someone, just a young teenager, we should all raise our hands. This month, we are talking about holiness, purity, and abstinence. And we plan on doing a purity ring service at the end of the month. So we want the young children to come and learn about what God has to say on this matter. It's not just, oh, well, I don't. We're teaching them, and we're getting in, and we're having the, a, a fun time just doing it. Amen. Purity from what? People might be wondering, what is purity from? What are you teaching? Abstinence. Abstinence from, from sexual immorality. Hey. See this, teenagers? We are teaching you on Friday nights how to wait to have sex until you're married. And all married and older people and parents said amen. So you need to come out this month and learn about why God created the birds and the bees, okay? You need to learn about who you are in Christ and how to live right. And at the end, you guys are doing a purity ceremony. Explain it. What is a purity ceremony? Well, well, a purity service at the end of the month after teaching and learning about what it is, uh, basically we have the students come up and they present a ring and, and they're getting married to Jesus. It's their vow is saying, I'm saving myself for my wife. I'm saving myself for my husband. This is my vow. Every time I look at this ring, I know that I'm saving myself and God sees that. I want to bless the Lord. Amen. Come on. Do you know? Amen. Let's give it up for a youth pastor caring about your kids. Amen. Amen. Do you know that when I asked Nancy to marry me, she took off her purity ring that she had made a pledge to the Lord to hold herself to marriage. It's okay, ladies, if you've messed up or fellas, God can forgive you. I was a born-again virgin, amen. 
I don't know if there's anybody else out there. Come on, let's keep it real. Children's church is over there, by the way, so don't nobody get offended. We have adult talk here, amen? Okay, because teenagers, this ain't even nothing compared to Lady Gaga and what they put on TV on, you know, come on. So anyways, she took off her purity ring, gave it to me, and then I put on the wedding ring. Isn't that awesome? Because she, as a young lady, was brought up in church, and she said, I want to hold myself sexually until I meet my husband. Praise God. We got married. God gave us the seventh heaven experience. Everybody say amen. amen. And then I took that purity ring, put it on the little bow tie of a little bear that she got me, and there it is in our house. Amen. Everybody go, ah. You see, we're teaching teenagers that. And guess what? Uh, Bertsky, if I could get a book, somebody, I think somebody you know in love, wrote a book about purity. Does anybody know this pastor right here of the book? Seven Steps to Marriage, How to Date Like a Christian. Some of y'all didn't even know I wrote a book about dating. It's right here. It's right here. Do I have any single adults in the house? Somebody raise your hand if you're single. Okay. Any single, I'm going to give it to you right here. Let's give it up. Come on. It's for all ages, and, and really they're using the book, and it's all just about dating principles. God has a sense of humor because he chose me to write it, and I did all the dating the wrong way, okay? So it's basically how to do it the right way. So come on out, young people, young adults or adults, if you want to do it, get it in the back. Somebody say, vision. Amen. Thank you. We have a vision at Metro Praise to love God and love people. We want you to see that in our heart every time you come here. So if you're a visitor, we welcome you for being here. We have a VIP center in the back. Got some brochures and people want to meet you out there, hang out with you. Our vision is never going to change. Loving God and loving people, the greatest commandments. And then somebody say strategy. You see, then we have a strategy to help you love God and love people. The first part is connect. Can I hear a connect? Thank you. When you connect to this church, we want to bring you through a book called The Seven Steps to Spiritual Growth. It's a book that will help ground you in Christianity. And here's the rule with this book. You cannot, I, we won't even sell you the book, even if you give me $100. We won't even let you buy it. You can't start this class, have the book, unless you're an imperfect person. So if you are a perfect person, you can't get the book. Are you all listening to me? So is everybody here an imperfect person? Can I your name, ma'am? This book is for you. This book will change you, rearrange you, and get you living for Jesus. And as you're doing that, you can join one of our life groups. Does anybody love life groups? Come on, somebody. Some of you are just shouting, but you've never come to one yet. You need to come to one, okay? Life groups are awesome. We have them going on seven days, uh, seven different times, five for adults, two for youth. We're going to be adding more for youth and more for adults as we get into the fall. Basically, what a life group is is a fellowship, a house party, a Bible study in somebody's home, and this is a place where you can get to know people, and while you're there, you can say to one of the mentors, because they'll probably say to you too, like, hey, man, you want to get discipled? And you'll be like, yeah, and you'll go through the book. You'll train you up, and then everybody go mentor. mentor. Thank you, and then we go into the 201. Do I have any 201 students in the house? Come on, 201 in the second service showing up. And basically what this does is it trains you to be a disciple. Now, why do we care so much about you? Because everybody go like this now. Go send. Because we want to send you out to change the world, to be a roof breaker, generation shaker, and history maker. 
Going to church should not just be the same old, same old. So if you can come to church, get connected to a life group, have a mentor begin to bring you through the books, you will see that you can go out and change the world. And that's why we go to the West Side Adopt a Block. That's why we're able to do the after-school tutoring. That's why we have the youth group and all the different ministries going on here. And can everybody say amen? Amen. We believe if we keep doing this, we can see 100,000 disciples and 50 churches here in Chicago. And how many around the world? How many believe we can reach that goal? Say, let's do it. Amen. Just look at your neighbor and say, let's do it. Get to it. Amen. Come on. So I want to talk to you guys today. What I promised I would do the first Sunday now of the month after doing our financial series, I promised that I would give you guys a report of every month from this point forward so we can avoid going into debt or making bad decisions and that the church will be informed. So we have an open book policy. If you're a visitor here, just think about something awesome you would do with money. And then everybody calls this church their church. Please pay attention because this is awesome. And uh, you guys want to see this. So last month, we brought in $13,673.01. See, every cent counts. In tithes and offerings, mission, $919.04. Building fund, $20,371.75. For a total income right here of $34,963.80. Can we bless the Lord? Amen. Those of you not clapping, you know you'd be clapping if that was in your bank account. Come on, this is God's bank account for us. Now, that's good news, but here's where it gets a little tight. See, this is what we spent, though. In general fund, we spent $18,011.06. Missions, $1,200. Building fund, $15,371.75, with total expenses being $34,582.81. So what does that basically mean? Well, last month we had to raise extra money for the building fund because we were in debt. So we raised a ton of money to pay off debt, but we still came short of our monthly goal of what we needed. We were $1,938.05 below the goal. So do you guys see now, as a church, if that trend continues, we go in debt, and that's not good. Everybody say, no bueno. Okay, no bueno. We don't want that. So we need to increase our monthly giving. Well, after we paid all the bills and we still lost money, we were able to have $2,082 in the bank account. After we did our missions, we still had $75 in the bank account. We try to bring that as close to zero every month. And then we weren't able to get our full $15,000 towards Wicker Park, but we were able to get out $5,000 from that building fund. Now, here is the number that we all need to pay attention to. It's big. It's red. Here it is, $49,600. This is what we need to raise in our building fund because we didn't raise it all before, and now we can take it on throughout the year. We've gotten out of bad debt, which is if you don't pay rent, you don't have a church. We've moved past that, and now we just need to pay it off as we go. So where does that 49000 come from? 13600 is in credit card debt from the things that we've incurred over the past year. Then the rest, which is 38000 is two months of our monthly budget. It costs $18,000 a month to work and operate in this church. The vehicles going out, doing the transportation, the children's ministry, the Wednesday, the utilities, the building. Everybody say, that's a lot. But somebody say, God's a big God. 
He can take care of it. Amen. So basically what we are asking you to do, we talked about it last month. I promised you after last month, I wouldn't harp on it. I would just tell you what we need and I would ask you to do the rest. So here's basically what we need. You have the paper in your hand. We're asking people to dedicate to being tithers. If everybody tithes, we believe we can hit that number of 18,000 per month. Uh, you can give online. You can also give in the offering buckets in the back. Uh, uh, Berto, would you run me up an offering envelope, please? Uh, just to share with you how to do it. It's very simple. Uh, you can uh, These boxes are in the different places. You can grab them at any time. Thank you. So basically what you have here is tithe. Obviously, that's 10% of your total income. We ask members, people who call this their church, to do this. This is obedience to God. And then we're asking for a special offering in two areas because we, we have need. The missions, $25 extra a month. If we get 50 people to do that, we can spend $1,250 a month on missions. How much did we spend last month on missions? $1,200. Does everybody see where we're going? We can support our churches and keep moving forward with that. And then if those same 50 people give $50 towards the building fund, we can raise $2,500 a month to knock off that debt and then start to have money in the savings so we don't get into the situation we were in last month where we weren't able to pay the rent because the money was behind and we had to raise the cash in hand. Is everybody listening to me? Okay, so this is very simple. What are we asking you to do as a church? There's two sheets in front of you. I'm asking you to fill out one and then to keep the other for your own records. Your name is not asked for this. So everybody say, no condo bondo. Okay, and if that means no condemnation, nobody's going to condemn you, and no bondage if you don't do it. Now, if you're thinking to yourself, man, all these churches want is our money, let me prove to you we don't want your money. You can stay in this service even though you don't give anything, and you can come back as often as you like. Somebody say amen. Now, let me tell you who does want your money, everybody else out there. So go to McNamara, see if you can sit there every week and eat their food without giving them any money. Amen? So don't say that to us when it's not true, but if you're going to say it to anybody, say it to them. So go down to McNamara's right over here, order your meal, eat it, and then when you get done, walk out without paying. And then when they say, hey, you got to pay, look at them and go, you restaurants are all the same. You guys are just about the money. You don't understand. I'm hungry. and you just, You're just all the same. Okay, so understand, if you're like, the churches are all the same, they just want my money. Well, here's the deal, Bubba. We don't get money unless people give the money. That's the only way we get it. And God can't bless you unless you're a giver. So it's, it's, it kind of helps you. You don't get cursed, and you get to be blessed. And then there's a church to show up to. Amen? So it's very simple. Do us a favor. Financial committee, Ricky and uh, our accountant, Joe, asked us to do this once a month so we can know what's going in. Just tell us what your tithe is. Okay, young people, this is now not the time to have a dream and put a million-dollar tithe in there, okay? We just want to know just what the tithe is going to look like because this is our goal for August. Everybody, just be honest. Those who want to tithe, let us know. If you're going to be one of the 50, circle 50. If you can do more, then put the more there. If you're saying, Pastor, I can't do it, still circle the 50, and let's believe God for him to increase you to do it. I believe he can. And then the same thing for missions. And so 75 extra dollars on top of a tithe is $2.50 a day. That's your Dunkin' Donuts that you can give. And what does that enable the church to do? Everything we're doing now debt-free. Can somebody say thank you, Jesus? Okay, you can give online. We have the three categories there. We have the offering envelope, the tithe. You put the offering, you circle where you want it to go. And if you don't have time to drop it off at the beginning, you can do it at the end of service or any time, and we can change the world. Let's all stand up together. Amen. 
And there was your monthly report. Do I get a little drum roll? Just something happy? Give me something happy. Okay, there it was. Can I get a second little? There we go. Just something happy, you know? I was just thinking like something makes somebody smile. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for a blessed church that God ha that has enabled us to do all we've done already. There's 200 churches that look to us for help every month, and we give them just a portion. But, Lord, thank you for what you're doing. And, Lord, we thank you that uh, 18,000 seems like a lot to all of us individually. But to you, God, you can easily do it through us as we all do our part. Lord, I ask you to speak to those that consider this their church and still are struggling with the tithe. Lord, let them know it's not between me and them, but it's between you and them. And I pray that they'll be obedient and do their part so the church can be here and not have a bad testimony to the landlord or to the bills that we incur from doing our work. And, Lord, I just ask you now to bless our jobs, bless our community, even as the Congress is settling up America's debt. Bless this land again, Lord. Bless the business owners and the economy. Bless the colleges and educational systems. And, Lord, again, we pray what our founding fathers prayed, that you would bless America. God bless America because it's in you we trust, not our money. And, Lord, as you bless us to be a blessing, we just thank you that every debt will be paid. And that, Lord, every bill will be paid and we will move forward in excellence. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's say this on the count of three. Philippians 4, 19. One, two, three. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Will you come as you give, please, rejoicing. And then place your envelope in the offering bucket, the card. Thank you. God bless you. The Lord is here, the body, it's time for Holy Ghost party. The Lord is here, the body, it's time for Holy Ghost party. The Lord is here, the body, it's time Hey, I don't see anybody with the cards. Did we not give them the cards? Hey, guys, did you not? I didn't see anybody coming forward with cards. Okay, okay. If you didn't give your card, we still need it. Can you give it in the back after service? Okay. Now, I don't know if that's just nobody wants to do it. I didn't see a card. I just didn't, you know, notice that. Thank you. Let's give it up for our band today. Amen. Thank you. You're going to learn a little happy beat for me, my brother, for next time? Amen. Let's open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. As you're turning there in your Bibles, I want you to know that we're doing a new series on overcoming the storms of life, And I'm so glad that you're here today because we're going to be talking about broken relationships. Broken relationships are some of the biggest storms that people face in life. And as you're here today, I want you to know that on our website, we have the rest of the series. So look at some of these titles and see if you need to bring some of your friends. Hopefully, you'll see something to bring them to. Next week, we're going to talk about life's letdowns. You know, a lot of people right now with the economy and jobs being tough, they're dealing with letdowns, and we need to pray for them. Bring them here if you know anybody dealing with letdowns. August 21st, the week after that, we're going to be talking about past failures. Do you know that so many times the things in our past keep us from moving forward? We're going to talk about getting past your past. And then the last Sunday of this month, secret sins. Everybody go, ooh. You see, we're going to talk about those things that people hide and that they don't want to tell anybody, and it's, it's a secret, but it's destroying them on the inside. 
We're not going to ask you to confess it to us, but to God. And if you know anybody that's maybe dealing with stuff and they're kind of avoiding confrontation or not wanting to really talk about it, say, man, come to service with me because there's going to be a word for you. Now, today we're going to be talking about broken relationships and how Jesus can help us in these times. You know, relationships are what we all have, whether we want to or not. You know, even uh, I've met people that were homeless, and they said, you know, I don't want to have a relationship with anybody. And then all of a sudden, you see the next homeless guy come over, and they start drinking beers together, and, you know, they live together. And, And no matter where you run away from relationships, you're always going to be in them. And no matter how hard you try to have them to always go right, relationships can go wrong. How many have ever been in a bad relationship? And I'm not just talking about romantic relationships. I'm talking about father and children relationships, sibling relationships, friendship relationships. If we were to count on our hands, we'd probably have to use our toes and then start marking on the floor, you know, marking on with a pen. How many times our heart has been broken? I mean, just start to think about it as I'm talking to you right now. How many times has your heart been broken by somebody? Maybe you had a tough childhood. Maybe your parents weren't there for you. Maybe your siblings messed with you. Maybe when you went to school, fellow students picked on you. Maybe now on the job, you don't get along with coworkers. Maybe you have a next-door neighbor or somebody you share a building with that doesn't like you very much, and these people have hurt you. Maybe you were married and had a divorce. Maybe you're a child from a divorce. We've all experienced broken hearts in broken relationships. And I want you to hear today what God is saying to you because there is healing and you can overcome the storm in Jesus' name. If you're ready, somebody say, I'm ready. Amen. Let's look at Matthew 14, 22 as Peter faces his storm. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went on to a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth night of the watch, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. So what's going on? Jesus just had church. He said to his disciples, hey guys, you go ahead on the boat. I'm going to go up and pray. While he was up there praying, they're on the lake and the winds begin to blow and the waters begin to rage and the boat gets buffeted. And then here comes Jesus walking on the water. Isn't that awesome? I believe Jesus walked on water. How many believe in miracles? How many believe the Bible? Do you really believe Jesus walked on water or are we just playing make-believe? I really believe he walked on water. I believe he was the God man in the flesh. And so he walks on water. And look at verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Now, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Now, how many know Peter is a bad mamma jamma? I mean, you're out in the middle of Lake Michigan. The winds are blowing. You got the boat rocking back and forth, water splashing over. You see what appears to be a ghostly figure of Jesus. Probably the first thing coming to your mind and my mind is, not Jesus, call me. I'm going to walk on water with you. I mean, really, the other 11, you don't hear anything about them. They're just like, you're crazy, Peter. You go on and do it. But that just shows you how awesome Peter was, that he was bold for the Lord. So he sees Jesus walking on water. He's like, hey, I want to walk on water. Let's do it. Everybody say, let's do it. And then Jesus says in verse 29, come on, let's do it. Come. 
he said. Then Peter got out the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Can we all just think about that for a moment? Walked on the water. H2O is not supposed to hold a grown man, but Peter walks on water. You know why? Because he walked on the word of God, C-O-M-E, the creator of the heavens and earth who spoke it all into existence could speak a way for him to walk on that H2O, the word of God. Look at your neighbor and say, it's real, baby. The word of God is real. But look at verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And began to sink. And he, what did he do? He cried out, Lord, save me. Let's say what he cried out on the count of three. One, two, three. Lord, save me. Come on, one more time. Lord, save me. That's what he cried out. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And he said, you of little faith, why do you doubt? And when they had climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Now, what can we learn from this situation with Peter coming out to Jesus walking on water? We can learn a lot of lessons, but one of the things that I want you to understand is we can't pick on Peter because at least he got out the boat and walked on water. You know, somebody might have been laughing in the boat going, look at Peter. He got all wet. He fell down. Jesus had to carry him. But you know what? Peter got out the boat. Peter got to experience a miracle with Jesus. And so what I want you to see is that real miracles come in real tests. So if you're getting this picture in your mind, you know, I got a broken heart and I've been through some broken things in life and I just want God immediately to make it all perfect, you're not understanding that your test and trial is going to be going through this pain, these hurdles, and you may sink. It may not all come together the way you want it to, but in time, God will rescue you and take you out. See, a lot of preachers don't want to tell you that. They just want to tell you on Sunday, go home and pray, and everything gets better. But the problem is that preacher don't follow you home, does he? He's not in the house with those children that are still acting bad. He's not there when you have to pay your bills at the beginning of the month, and you're saying, hey, pastor, you forgot something else on that board up there. You forgot my mortgage and what I owe. We need to put that up there, too. You see, pastors and preachers can easily say things that aren't, practical but get you excited but today I want you to have practical understanding of how to overcome the storms of your life it's not going to be perfect it is going to get messy and you're probably going to stumble and fall at times and you're probably going to get a lot wetter than you think you're going to right now but let me give you the good news Jesus will save you Jesus will carry you through this mess and bring you safely to the boat and even though right now you may not see any way of the storm stopping the relationships getting better or your heart changing I guarantee you you stick with Jesus at some point you will see the winds die down and you will fall down and worship him and say thank you Jesus I don't know how you did it but you did it again you took care of me because you're a good God you see I preach a real Jesus out of the real Bible in real life situations a couple things I want you to note here that you can learn from this story is number one everything is father filtered somebody say father filtered you know that God understood the whole perspective he knew once the boat went out there that, Peter, uh, that Jesus would have to come out looking for it. The father told Jesus to send the boat, and the father told Jesus to go to the mountain. And then the father told Jesus, go walk on the water. You see, everything is happening through God's perspective. He even knew that the storm would come. 
He even knew that Peter would want to be bold and crazy and get out there and walk. And guess what the father also knew? The father also knew that Peter then would get scared and start to sink. But then he also knew Jesus would carry him. Everything in your life is father-filtered. And the moment I say that to you, most of us here who have gone through troubles now want to shake our finger at God and go, but if he knew, why did he allow it to happen? I mean, let's be real. Let's stop pretending we're just in church for a moment, and let's be the people we really are. You know when you faced hard times, I have, even the people of the Bible, when they faced hard times, the first thing they want to say is, God, you knew, why did you let this happen? And this is where we get into broken relationships. God, why did you allow my father to abuse me? God, why did you allow my mother to leave me? God, why did you allow me to marry that person that would cheat on me? God, why did you allow the job to me to lose my job and for me to have to live here? We always then want to point the finger back to a God who knows everything and say, why aren't you changing everything? But this brings us to our second principle is that God does know everything, but God uses the troubles of this life to bring us to him. You see, Jesus could have said right at the beginning when Peter was like, hey, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come. Jesus could have been like, nope, <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not going through this, Peter. You're going to come walking on the water all bad, you know, thinking you're cool. Then you're going to slip into the water. I'm going to have to go and pick you up. I'm going to have to carry you like a little sheep and kiss you, make you feel better. No, Peter, we're not going through any of that. You just stay there. You see, God could say to us, you just be a robot. I'll just create everything to be perfect in a bliss little world. You'll never get to have free will, never to make any choices. And I'll just create a little birdcage for you to live in, tickle you, and you'll just chirp every now and then. And we'll call that life. You see, that's what we're asking for when we say, God, why do bad things happen? You see, what's happening is bad things are happening because God gave us a choice. And then people made bad choices. And then because of bad people making bad choices, we live in a bad world. And just to sum it all up in a simple phrase you can understand is this. Hurt people hurt people. Because Satan was kicked and rejected out of heaven, he wanted the human race to get kicked out of heaven and to live, you know, on hell on this earth. And now because people don't serve God and because people don't follow the commandments, that's why there's murder. That's why there's people raping children. That's why this is going on is because hurt tore up people hurt people. But why is God allowing this in our life? Because God is allowing the troubles of life to bring us to him. Remember what Peter did when he began to sink? He said, save me, Lord, because Peter understood at that moment he needed Jesus. I wonder if we lived in this perfect world that we create in our mind if we would ever think we need Jesus. You know, most of the time when I hear people's testimonies, it's actually when their little fragile world is falling apart that they begin to realize how much they need him. The next thing that we learn in this story is having Jesus is better than all the answers. You notice that when, you know, Jesus is picking up Peter and now holding him in his arms, he doesn't have a discussion with him about faith, going, Peter, let me talk to you a little bit. Well, you see, you know, when you were there and you got scared, the H2O wasn't able to hold up the, you know, your body, and your body began to sink down, and then you felt like you were drowning, and that, you know, that gurgle thing going on, that was the beginning of you swallowing water, and then you shouted out, save me, and the reason why I could save you is because I believe in the Father's word that I can walk on water, and you see, now I got supernatural strength because I'm superhero with, with my Father, and I can walk you over to the boat. Does Jesus give him this long explanation? nation. He just says, you live little faith. I want you to think about this. When we're going through our troubles, what is it we think we really want from God? We, we ask God for the answer. God, why? 
God, why? God, God, come on, why? Why why did my mother do that, God? Why? God, come on, God, come on, God, tell me why my father did. And we actually think that if the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost sat down with us and said, okay, what's your problem? Okay, God, I, I was abused by my father growing up. Why did it happen? Now, we are thinking the Father, if he explains it, it's all going to make better sense. So he says, well, you see, your father, he had a terrible life growing up. He was abused. He didn't know how to control his temper. And it was because he was brought up in this family. And then this family had a terrible upbringing. Nobody taught them how to control themselves. And then the father would take us through the entire story of human history, how people are jacked up, and bring us all the way back to Adam and Eve. And then we think sitting at the table after God has just you know, spent 100 years explaining it to us, now we're just going to say, oh, I feel so much better now. Now I understand. No, you're not. If God spent 100 years explaining to you why people are jacked up and why this world is messed up and why people are hurting, if he explained it to you over and over and over again, it still wouldn't help you one bit. As a matter of fact, the thing that we need the most is the healing from Jesus, not the explanation. I want you to watch this video. Uh, Ellie, would you turn down the lights? And I want you to see how this man came to that same conclusion. And so when this man got 100 feet up in the air going 40 miles an hour and crushed down onto his legs, breaking all the bones of his body, he screamed out, somebody just needs to fix me quick. You see, the day that that happened, somebody could have came up like a smart aleck while he was screaming and going, hey, guy, let me help you out here. Let me tell you what happened. Well, you were driving 40 miles an hour. You went 100 feet up in the air. That made your velocity of 2,000 miles an hour coming down on your femur. Your femur can only hold so many pounds of pressure, so it snapped, and then the other one snapped, and your kneecap went out, and then because you had no place to hold your body weight, it then crushed your bones into 11 pieces. Just wanted to let you know. Ah, somebody fix me! 
You see, we don't care about the answer when it really comes down to it. Don't be tricked by the devil in the time of your greatest hurt to think that God has to explain to you why it happened. That's not what God ever promised in the Bible. He didn't say he was going to sit down with you over coffee and explain the problems of life. This is what he said to do. Look to the cross because at the cross he bore your sickness, your sorrows, and all of your infirmities. He's saying, look to me for a healer. So the question you have to ask yourself today is I'm talking about hurt. Maybe you're not there right now, but you will be one day because we all experience it over and over and over again. Are you going to try to have an argument with God, blame God, or are you going to cry out to God to save you? Because as a pastor, I've actually had conversations starting with my nephew who lost his mother drinking and driving. The first funeral I ever did was for my sister. You want to talk about a broken relationship? My nephew never has his mom again. Mom, why did you drink that night? Mom, why did you drive that night? Mom, why were you going around that corner? See, as I had to speak to him, none of the explanations will make him feel better. None of the explanations are going to make him lay down at night and have a peaceful heart. There is only one answer to man's troubles, and that's Jesus Christ. It's called out on Jesus. You need the Lord. And I want you to be honest about some things in your life today that maybe you've been hurt over. Let's start with a broken family. I mean, this can be from your upbringing. Maybe you were neglected. Maybe you didn't have the things that you were supposed to have as a child. And you might say, Pastor, it's been a long time since I've been a child, but let's keep it real. My mother is in her 60s, and she had to deal with things from her childhood just recently in her life. My grandfather, her father, was a man who fought in World War II, an Italian immigrant who lived on a farm, worked in the, uh, the coal mine so he could just provide a decent family. But you know what? Never told my mom he loved her his whole life. Never really bought my mother anything. And by the time he went home to be uh, with the Lord, because he did accept the Lord by my mother, he had left over a half a million dollars of his life savings to my mom, and he had never bought her a dinner. He had stored up all of his own money but never gave it away while he was living. It took him to die to give it up. And so when my mom started buying stuff, she said, this is dad's way of saying, hey, I'm a giver now. But you know what? It was really my mom's heart that was giving his stuff away because he never let anybody touch it. But you know what? If I sat down with my mom and I said, mom, you know, why, why do you think grandpa was the way he was? She probably would have said earlier on, you know, I don't know, I don't understand. But you know what? As she got older in life, she said, Joe, I, I hear you sing songs in church. We had a song that we used to sing here that would go, my dad is the best dad in the whole world. And we would talk about God. And she would say, these songs break my heart because it makes me think of my dad, that he wasn't a good dad. And she began to say, I want to know why I can't see God as a good father. And as she began to study more into her own life, into the word of God, she realized that what had broken the spirit of her father was that when they were little children, my mother was an older sister to her younger brother. Two children were driving in my, my grandpa's car. The little boy was playing with the car. He accidentally opened the door. The little boy flew out of the car, and he got ran over. And so that's how my grandfather began to lose his spirit in life. Now, as my mother is looking back and understanding why maybe her father was the way he was, does that make her feel better? 
No, it doesn't. And so my mother, as an older woman in life, has been challenged to go back and forgive her own father and to let God heal her so that she does not carry that pain the rest of her life. And we could keep you here all day with stories that I've heard and you've heard. You know, we could talk about how people have been abused and some of the terrible things that happen in family. But let's just be honest. Haven't we all experienced some type of broken relationship in a family? Whether it's our siblings letting us down or that time we expected our parent to do something and they didn't. Or that time as a parent we expected a child to do something. How about another area of our life? Broken hearts, relationships. You know, as a pastor, I've averaged over two to three uh, weddings a year because we have a church of single adults, and it's fun, and it's exciting. But let me just say this. Not every couple who comes to me and says, God told us we're getting married, always gets married. And not every Christian couple that says we love God stays married. And let me just reduce it down to the simplest thing. Because this is not trying to be an explanation of your pain. It's just trying to help you get to Jesus. But just to give you a little practical knowledge, let me tell you where relationships fall apart. Very simple. They say, we loved each other, and then they point the finger across the room and say, but they changed. They say, I loved her at one point. She was awesome. She was everything, but then she changed. And then the other one points back, I loved him. He was everything to me, but then he changed. And every now and then you'll meet the real humble one that will say, no, it's me. I've changed. But what is it? It's people falling out of love because somebody has changed. And then before you know how's an adulterous affair start, do you think adulterous affair starts at the wedding ceremony? Here's that beautiful couple. They're looking into each other's eyes. I'm the pastor saying the vows. Do you think at that moment that man is saying, yes, honey, I will be faithful until I meet my secretary and then she turns me on and then I have sex with her in a hotel. But yes, we're going to do that. No. When does the affair start? It starts when the heart begins to not be having its needs met. Maybe the husband and wife had children. They begin to get busy. Life begins to catch up on them. And now instead of their romantic dates out, now they're changing diapers and taking care of children and paying the bills. And where they used to pay each other compliments and start affirming each other, now they only really complain to each other of what the other one needs to do. You pick up the kids at this time and I'll do this. And before you know it, it's just a time of nagging. But then now the man shows up at his job. The secretary takes all the time in the world to compliment him. Oh, you look good today, sir. Glad that you uh, tried it on a new tie. I notice it. You smell great. What cologne are you wearing? And then all of a sudden an affair begins to start in the emotions because the hearts were being neglected already, and all it took was somebody filling the empty jar, the empty heart. And then before you know it, the person is saying, I'm not in love with you. I'm in love with this person. And then the other person always says the same thing. What did I do wrong? And we all have been there, maybe not in that extreme way, but we know what it's like to like somebody and somebody not to like us back. It affects us. And then lastly, broken friendships. And we think to ourselves, well, these are my friends, you know, and these are the people that I like. They'll never hurt me. And then you begin to realize that they can hurt you. And let me just help you, especially young people. If people will talk about other people behind their back to you, they'll then do it about you. Let me tell you this one more time. If people will talk to you about somebody else behind their back and say, oh, you don't know what so-and-so did, and they go on and on about it, let me tell you, now they're doing it to you when they're not with you. 
And all of a sudden we begin to see our friends in a different light. And I like to think of friendships as a circle. And you can see this in Meet the Parents, like the inner circle. And what you begin to see in life is that at the outer circle are casual relationships. People that you'll know casually. These are most of your Facebook friends, by the way. These are those 2,000 people you have on there. And they've probably already hidden your status because they've gotten bored with you playing that, uh, that game and all of those things that you do on there. And, and really nobody pays attention to you on there, okay? But they, but they make you look good. These are your casual friends. The next ones, you know, are like your, your, your close friends, and these are the people you would have, like, their phone number, and you would call them up, and you'd maybe run ideas by them, and they're pretty cool. You hang out with them. And then you get this inner circle, like intimate friends. And maybe if you're fortunate in life, you'll have maybe two or three of these your whole life. Most of the time, it's your spouse or somebody that you think of like a brother or sister. Well, here's the thing in life is that people move in and out of these circles. And sometimes the best thing you can ever do for somebody is give them the gift of goodbye. Because if you try to keep them in that intimate circle and now they've moved on, they found other friends, other hobbies, other things to do with their time, you're wanting them to be that BFF, but really they're just treating you like a casual friend or even just an acquaintance. And sometimes we get our feelings hurt. You should have been there. You should have picked up my call. You should have done this when really we should have just given them the gift of goodbye. But people hurt us, and sometimes we don't know what to do. Now that I have your attention, I want to give you five ways to get over a broken relationship. Can somebody say, preach it? I want you now to work your own Bible karaoke stops right here. Start writing these down and turn there with me. Matthew 14, 30, the first thing that we need to do in a broken relationship is we need to call out to Jesus. You see, when Peter was sinking and his relationship with Jesus was not the way it was supposed to be, the first thing he did as trouble came his way is he cried out to Jesus, Lord, save me. Can I encourage everybody to do that today who's in a broken relationship or who has a broken heart from a broken relationship? Don't try to ask Jesus for all the answers. Don't try to have some three-hour coffee talk with Jesus on why life is messed up. No, stop right now and cry out to Jesus. Let him know you need him. Lord, save me. And one of the worst things you can do, and the devil loves to do this, is to have you actually be angry with God. I always like to liken God to that little boy that's standing in the water line as we're in kindergarten. You know, somebody's going to get their thing of water. The boy stands him back. He slaps the kid upside the head. And then all of a sudden, he just looks the other way. The boy looks at the person and said, you did it. And that other kid is just... And see what the devil does is he comes and he destroys our lives. He's here to steal, kill, and destroy. People will do dumb things because they act like the devil. And then all of a sudden the devil will point and say, God did it. God did it. See, see, he knew about it. He knew about it. And then the very person that you're supposed to go to to find healing, the very person that's supposed to be there for you, you're having a pity patty party. Turn your back on him. Mm, I'm not going to call out God because God should have known better. I'm not coming to church because you know what? I had a bad week. And you know what? That church stuff don't work. I'm not coming. And the very person we're supposed to be coming to, we're actually running away from. Somebody say amen. 
Oh, I mean, come on. If your life is messed up, that's not the time to go to the club and get it even more messed up. That's the time to come to church, get in the front of this altar, shout out to Jesus, save me, Lord, and start jumping and dancing and hollering. So to the point that somebody taps their neighbor and go, what's wrong with her? Oh, she must have needed Jesus today. Hallelujah. You can say what you want about me, but I'm not leaving until I get Jesus. I don't care what you think. This ain't a fashion show. I didn't come to join the club. I came to give me Jesus. To hell with religion. To hell with trying to impress you. Just give me Jesus. Lord, save me. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for people that can just admit it. I'm sinking, Lord, and you're my only help. And for those of you who have tried anything else, how's it working for you? How's the alcohol? How's the new relationship? Well, this one's different. How's that one going? You know, how's that new job going? How's that new money uh, feeling in your pocket? It doesn't change anything. Dr. Phil, Oprah Wimp, they can't change a broken heart. Cry out to Jesus. Amen? Come on, that makes me smile. Number two, ask for healing. You see, God has set up in the word of God an ask and receiving relationship. Everybody say, ask and receive. Thank you. When you get to heaven, you can ask Jesus why he wants to do it that way. You could say, wasn't God just supposed to know what I need? He should just give it to me. No, God set it up. He said, you ask, and I give it to you. And then what did he say to those who don't ask? He said, you have not because you ask not, James. So this is the relationship. You can ask him why he set it up that way. Yes, he understands what we already need before we need it, but he is asking us to ask him. I think it kind of goes back to that parakeet in a cage thing, is that he actually wants permission to change our lives. He's not forcing his hand into the cage, strangling us, going, I will make you love me. Raise your little wings and fly for me. God sits back, and he opens up the cage, and he says, do what you want. I'm here when you need me. See, our God has created us with something called free will. And some people are plenty happy flying around without him. But I'm the one that wants to come back to him and find shelter under his wings, as the Bible says. Psalms 91. Here's Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus talking, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal and bind up the brokenhearted. One of Jesus' best jobs is to heal broken hearts. Did you know that was in Jesus' job description? That's what Jesus does. See, the devil's job description is steal, kill, and destroy. He said, I have come to give you life and that you may have it to the full. To proclaim freedom from the captives. Depression is a captivity that will hold you captive. Release from darkness. Bitterness will keep you in darkness. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, that means God is on your side. And the day of vengeance of our God. And let me let you understand this as we go on through this list. The hurt and the pain caused by people, just because God is coming to your rescue, he is helping you, wiping away the tears, doesn't mean that he doesn't judge them. He just said, leave the judgment to me. He said, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So God will judge them. If they don't repent, they will go to hell. So pray for their salvation as well. But we're talking about you right now, amen? We're talking about us being healed. So he says, I'm going to heal you. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to do all of these great things and bless you. And now look at verse 3. Provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty Instead of ashes, see, when people were sad that day, they would just take ashes out of the fire and wipe it all over their face and just, just to show on the outward appearance how, how sad they felt on the inside. The oil of gladness. Instead of mourning, a garment of praise. Instead of a spirit of despair. Jesus promises you 
but he'll make a trade. He'll trade your sorrows for his joy. He will take off your spirit of despair, your garment of just sickness and just depression, and he'll give you joy. But you have to ask him to do it. You have to say, Lord, I need you. Heal me. Heal my broken heart. Number three, forgive those who have hurt you. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. You see, once again, what do we think when we think God asking us to forgive? We say, you know what, I'm not going to forgive them. That's just unthinkable. And you'll hear people say that that's unforgivable. I'll never forgive them. You don't know what they did to me. I'll never forgive them. Because how do we think of forgiveness? We think of forgiveness as meaning it's okay. No, no, no. You forgiving somebody is not saying it's okay. For my mother to say, I forgive my father for neglecting me for all of his life is not the same as her saying it's okay. No biggie. We'll just overlook it and forget it. No, forgiveness is none of those things. See, I'm preaching to real people out the real Bible in the real world. Y'all tracking with me right here, tracking? See, what forgiveness says is this. I am a sinner and have committed sins against God, and I want him to forgive me. You are a sinner who has committed sins against God, so I will forgive you. Let God judge you for everything else, but I will forgive you. Jesus commanded it, Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive yours. Hello, somebody. I mean, that's just keeping it right and it's tight. Look at your neighbor. It's tight, but it's right. Tell them now. Come on. It's so real. If you don't forgive, you can't be forgiven. So now let me ask you a question. Do you want to go to hell, literally go to hell, a lake of fire, separation from God, torture and torment for all of eternity because of what they did? Think of it this way. You will have hell, had hell on earth, and then you will suffer eternity in hell. See, you better tell your accuser in your heart right now, you are not worth going to hell over. You need to tell them in your heart, you are not, what you did to me was disgusting, but you are not worth going to hell over. I forgive you in Jesus' name. Now let God judge you. You see, God will judge them, he said. He will judge them. God will make the wrongs right. God will set it all up one day on his judgment day. We all believe that, don't we? Do we believe God's going to do it? And I know some of you right here, right now, you're going, well, where, where in this list is slap them upside the head, you know? How to overcome broken relationships. You cry out for house, ask Jesus for healing, then you slap them, and then you beat them up. I mean, you break their windshields. I mean, we're waiting for the Jerry Springer thing here, right? I mean, let's just keep it real. Somebody's like not looking at me now, and you know you're the worst. Come on, you're just like, I'm, oh. come on. You know you've gotten mad and thrown stuff at people. You know you've cursed people out. This is not the way we get healed. How do we get healed? Cry out to Jesus. Ask him to heal us, and then we forgive them. Number four, we move forward. This is where I'm going to get ready to preach. Y'all ready for the preacher to come out? Amen. Come on, turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, and somebody say, preach. Amen. Here it comes right here. This is the good part. After you've been forgiven, you're, you're being healed, you know what you need to do? You need to just focus on God and start pressing forward right now. You need to step out of that past because you could be living your whole life looking back and never see what God has for you in the future. How many would get into a car with me today if I drove like this? How many would get into the car? So I rev it up, I get onto the highway. 
You didn't know what you would do. You would instantly grab that wheel and start doing this. You can't go forward in life looking backwards. You can't do it. Don't let the devil hang you up on that past thing. See, because the devil might have jacked up your childhood because that man or woman was jacked up. And now the best thing he wants you to do is just stay messed up. Think about how you were messed up, that it will never get any better for you. You're going to be lonely. You're going to be hurt. You'll never get over this. You need to tell the devil to take his lies back to hell where they came from. You need to get the FEMO principle, F-E-M-O. Forgive them and move on, baby. It's li- Life is like not like a box of chocolates. Life is like a bus, okay? Some people will get on the bus of your life. They'll cause a stink. But guess what? They can get off the bus, but the bus keeps going. Life is like a train. Just keep on chewing your way through life, baby. Step out of your past into your future. Don't let your present circumstances dictate your your identity. Believe who God says you were. Do what he told you to do. And don't look back. Look forward because God says I see you in the future and you look much better than you do right now. God planned it for this way to bring you to him and though you don't see how you're going to get over the hills and the violence, if he has to pick you up and carry you back to the boat, he will do it. You will make it. Move forward. Boom. Come on somebody. Preaching myself out my sandals this morning. Move forward. He will pick you up and carry you if he has to. Why does it say, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. This is not just going to their valley of shadow. See, that would make no sense for a funeral. You know, the funeral is that person's valley of shadow of death. God's going to take them to heaven, you know. But what it's saying to us is you may feel despair in life. You may feel like you're living life doing your thing. And then out the middle of nowhere, somebody punches you in the gut. Just takes away all your meaning in life. You feel like you've been so broken, you can't go on anymore. God says at the point of your valley of death, I will pick you up, and you won't fear no evil. For my rod and staff, they will comfort you. You will feel me on the inside of you moving you forward. And I know some of you have been there where you didn't know how you got through what you went through, but it was God. And I want to encourage somebody, if you're in that situation right now, God is with you. Move forward. Praise God. Somebody say amen. Woo, thank you, Jesus. God is looking for people like Peter who are willing to reach out their hand so he can pick them up. He didn't say Peter picked himself up. Peter cried out, and he held up his hands. And the thing I love about Peter is that, you know what, he kept on going. Yes, he took a licking, but he kept on ticking. It didn't matter what you threw at Peter. Peter kept going for it. Even one time when when God was telling, Jesus was telling Peter, I'm going to go to the cross, and I'm going to die for your sins, Peter tried to stop Jesus from going to the cross. Have us all go to hell, okay? I mean, Peter would have done messed it up for everybody. And then Jesus looked right at Peter and said, Satan, now you get behind me. Now, you know that's a bad day when the preacher looks at you and goes, Satan, Satanas. I mean, that's how bad Peter was at different times. But guess what? Jesus loved Peter. Even though Peter denied him three times, the Bible says he went back to Peter after he was fishing, went and talked to him and said, how many times do you love me? And each time that Peter denied him, Jesus said back to me, how many times you love me? Reinstated him. And who was the first preacher, baby, on the day of Pentecost? It was your boy Peter. Hallelujah. Because God loves Peter's. 
God loves the people of this world that have taken those lickings and keep on ticking. That is the heart of Christ because he looks at mankind as that suffering sheep and he says, I will pull you through if you'll just reach out your hands. It's so symbolic of everything we face. And look at the scripture right here. Uh, Paul speaking in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and onward. He says, brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. What is Paul saying? He said, I'm not perfect yet. I'm not perfect. Life is not a bed of roses yet. But one thing I do. Somebody say one thing. Now say it like you're from the south. And somebody say one thing. Come on, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I'm straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Somebody might say, Pastor, you're yelling at us. No, I'm inspiring you. I am trying to motivate you. I want you to win the Super Bowl of your life, and I'm the coach tonight. Come on, somebody. I want you to win in life. I'm tired of the devil just messing people up, being busted and disgusted, living on barely get a long street next to, next to Grumble Avenue. Man, how you doing, brother? I ain't doing so well. Oh, man, the devil. Oh, the devil got you? Yeah, the devil got me. My family's messed. We're all giving the devil so much glory. I want somebody to come to church with that, with that Rambo bandana around their head with some blood coming down their face. What's wrong with you? I've been pip-slapping that devil all day. I've come to get jacked up on the Holy Ghost so I can go back out there and knock that joker out. Now, that's how I would say it. I need to see people in the real world just taking this devil because God is able. We can win, friends. God said we can. Amen? And the next thing is we focus on God. Because we're not just aimless. We are focusing on God. Just turn that next chapter, Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Your last scripture of the day. Here it is. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. Okay? This is, this is talking about the opposite of the divorce, opposite of what you went through as a kid. It said whatever is good, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is of excellence and praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or have heard of me, put into practice. And may the God of peace be with you. Let me tell you a couple of stories in closing today. Joe from the Calio. I was uh, ministering in the Calio projects with Master P was from and No Limit Soldiers and all of them. Some of you guys might have remembered them back in the day. So I was uh, pastoring in this area. And Joe from the Calio, man, he was a young man. He got saved in our youth ministry, lived in the heart of the projects. And he began coming to the discipleship, and his mom was on drugs. So what do you do now with a mom on drugs, right? So he began to say, Pastor, pray for me, pray for me. Mom's on drugs. Boyfriend comes over in the middle of the night, does drugs, beats us all up, throws the kids around. And he said, what do I do? I said, man, you just you begin to put your heart in God, and you begin to trust, and you protect your family. I actually had to give permission two different times for my young people to beat up men in their house that were abusing family members. Because of the drugs in the house. Had to do it twice. And one day I saw Joe, man, and this guy from just ear to ear, he is smiling. He is just so excited. He came to church, you know, like he was winning the battle. Come on, somebody. He ended up joining the military, by the way. I went and did his wedding as a best man. Praise God. Still my good friend today as a man and serving the Lord. He's smiling ear to ear. I said, Joe, what's going on? He said, man, I just spent some great time with God. I said, where did you spend time with God at? He said, in the bathroom. And I'm like, man, what's wrong with you? What is wrong with you, man? And then he said, he said, Pastor, 
you've taught us to pray, to think on the things of God, to read our Bible, and the peace of God will be there. He said, drugs are in the house. Kids are out of control in the room. He said, the only place I can find that peace at is when I lock the door in the bathroom. I said, brother, that's what God's doing right there. That's what's up right now. Did it work? I just told you. He graduated high school, one of the top of his class, went and joined the military, now has a great civilian job, married a beautiful wife, and has two beautiful children. You see, he made a decision at some point in his life he was going to stop focusing on what had been done to him and what was going on around him, and he made a decision. I will think about God. I will put my hope in God, and I will let God do the rest and bring peace to this storm. Come on, somebody. Only God can bring peace to that storm. And another story that I just want to encourage some of you with that, uh, you know, just sticks out in my heart is that if you're not careful, things that you do now can affect your future. And we don't even think about it like this. But let me just give you something to think about in in a deeper way. Some of you are only thinking about how your actions affect your consequences of right now today. You don't understand how your consequences will affect people 10 years from now. Because if you're a parent, you're going to have children 10 years from now growing up. And so there was another young girl that I was ministering to in the youth group. Both of her mom and dads were on drugs. She went to Lane Tech High School. At Lane Tech High School, she got removed from her parents' house, had to stay with family. Her family began to get un, uh, you know, unable to take care of her, so she had to couch surf all throughout high school. One of her greatest boasts was is that she never missed a day, got perfect attendance at Lane Tech while not having a permanent home because both of her parents were on drugs. Are you all listening to me? And so you just think, you know, I mean, these parents are messing up this kid's life. They're not understanding how this can affect other people. Well, her sister begins to do the same type of drugs. Her sister then loses her mind, has a mental breakdown, and I have to go visit her at the mental health clinic that's right by my home there on Narragansett and uh, Montrose, if you all know what I'm talking about. And there's no feeling like being in a mental health clinic, health clinic because of people having mental breakdowns. If you've ever experienced that, our prayers go out to you. And for those who haven't, trust me, it's horrifying, Hor- just horrifying, because you're talking to people that at one time were just like us, but because of things in their heart and their emotions, their mind is just gone numb. It's snapped the emotions, and now they have to be sedated. Did the parents ever think about that? See, the parents never thought about that. All the time those parents were doing drugs, they never thought that eventually their kids would grow up and have to be in a mental hospital. Well, this young lady, she begins to do what's right. She gets out. They, you know, she gets off drugs. She goes and lives a good life. But this young lady, she goes to Bible college, the girl that I know, goes to Bible college, does the exact opposite of what her parents does, goes to Bible college, meets her husband, and is now working in the social work community. You see, God took somebody that would could have gone down this path but sent them down this path and is now making a difference in the people's lives. And I guarantee you that these parents never knew it. They never knew they were having the effect. And here's the sad part. Are you ready for the, the end? Because this is not the hand clap one. This is the thing that I want you to think about. Her mom died while she was in college from an overdose of drugs, and her father died two years ago. Never saw forget the fulfillment of marrying and seeing her life be successful. Here's the thing, my friends, is that if some of you don't change your bad habits, you're going to affect other people. And what you think is just between you and yourself, it's going to start to affect your family and others. And if you're not careful, you will lose your life, cut your life short, and you won't even be around to watch other people enjoy their life. That's why today, if you are hurt, you better get the hurt out. Because you unintentionally can begin to hurt people.
Would you all stand to your feet today? I want to play a video for you. Altar workers, would you come? And I'm going to ask you to do two things today. Very simple. As the altar workers are coming, two things. Be honest. And then if you're the hurt person, come forward today. Don't reciprocate hurt. Jesus loves you. Be the one today that overcomes the hurt. And some of the greatest testimonies that I've seen are some of the most simplest testimonies. Just, Pastor, you know what? I've heard people testify in this church, and I don't like to tell a lot of other people's testimony. That's why I like to go back into my past ministry. But you know what? I've had people come and get set free from homosexuality, all of these things, and then they come to me and they say, Pastor, I was abused when I was a kid. Never, I never even knew it. But you know where they came and got free? Was at an altar just like this. Because it, you know, it doesn't take years and years of therapy, friends. It takes you crying out to God, saying, Lord, heal me. He's a good God, and he'll heal you. And it can happen like this today. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you right now for bringing us all in this place. I pray that as we make this time for healing, that, Lord, people won't be ashamed. I know some may want to hesitate. They may feel embarrassed. But, God, I pray today we'll focus on you. And that you'll do what you do so well. Heal broken hearts. Heal broken lives. Lord, we've been hurt by people. And Lord, we come into you because you heal people. With every head bowed and eyes closed right now, I just want you to think right now, is that you? Are you just here today and you're just hurting and you're just wanting to be healed? What I want you to do right now is if, if that's you, I want you just to begin to focus on God. And I'm going to play a song today. If you want to open your eyes, it's okay. But we're going to listen to this song. And as you feel you're ready, I want you to come forward. And if you need to bring a friend, I want you to bring them with you. Because today God is going to heal your heart. And you're going to see a tremendous change in your life.
Ish, would you come forward on the guitar, please? I know that some of you may still be ashamed to come, but we're going to close out the service now, and we're going to allow you to come if you want to be healed of a broken heart. Father, I thank you today for this service, and I pray, God, that we will live without that heart of brokenness. And, God, those that need to come, I pray they will. And for those of us who have been healed of broken hearts, I pray that we'll forever remember, God, that if we face it again, or rather when we face it again, you're there for us. That we're not bad people because bad things happen. God, if we have you on our side, we can make it through these troubles. So, Lord, bless us today. Keep us this week and help us to bring others next week that this message will be for and to touch their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. As they begin to come and pray, if you need prayer today, initially just in worship, would you come? We're going to stay up here as long as people need it, and we'll see you next week. God bless you, and we welcome you to come to the life groups. is freedom where the spirit of